It's no secret that at this point, planning and responding to the coronavirus has been an especially tough challenge for most federal agencies. It could have been even tougher for an organization like the Voice of America, which has reporters all over the world, including China and Italy. But 80% of the VOA workforce is teleworking today, and it wasn't easy. The agency had to order more laptops in a hurry, move data and systems to the cloud, and find ways to keep employees safe. For more on that early planning, Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco spoke to the director of Voice of America, Amanda Bennett. We started in late January, so we started pretty early in the in the process. Although, you know, I think we're all discovering no matter how fast we work, it's it's always too slow. But because we work and we have people who are from the regions that were the hardest hit, we had to immediately start curtailing travel and making sure we had a procedure for having people who came back from those regions not come into work. We were starting to ask people to self-quarantine, I believe, before there was any policy directive to do so. We just we just knew we needed to do that. We kept on doing that until the beginning of March. So we were just making sure that people who'd been in the affected areas didn't come in the building and that, and that we knew where they were. And at the beginning of March, when it was announced that coronavirus cases had been discovered in Maryland, we knew that we really needed to start moving a lot faster. And I heard uh, Tony Fauci say on TV that, you know, wherever you see the virus, you're already a couple weeks behind. And so we realized that we needed to move quickly and not only move quickly for what we saw right now, but for what we saw up ahead. So we fixed our goals, which was protect the health and safety of our workforce and continue to do our mission because we were already finding that people in the affected areas, particularly China and Iran, were really rushing to our sites because we were giving accurate information at a time when nobody else was. So we needed to protect our mission. So we worked on a four-step plan, which the first step was just, what are we going to do and how do we do it? And do we have the capability to do that? So we thought we're going to need to be working remotely. Do we have the capability to do that? And so we did a massive information, you know, an information collection. Did people have the skills? Did we have the equipment? Did we have the bandwidth? Did we have the communication channels? Did we have a workflow? And the answer to almost all those cases was sort of. And so we had to identify the gaps and start, start moving. So I'll jump in at this point and ask you, when you realized that you were sort of in a position, you sort of felt ready How did you get from sort of to, I assume, where you are now, which is more comfortable with your abilities to telework, connect, all of that stuff? So the first thing we had to do, we divided into four stages. We said, we're going to do a four-step plan because everybody was kind of like, oh, what if we have to go out of the building tomorrow? And well, okay, we don't need to worry about that right now. So we did four phases. The first one was the information gathering. The second one is when we started to reduce our staff. And we wanted to do that as quickly as possible. We wanted to be in position to be working as quickly as possible. And then the third one is where we are right now, which is really very, very limited access to the building. And the fourth was a complete shutdown of the building. The reason this is important is that we do about a thousand hours of broadcast every week in 47 languages to over 60 countries. And as you probably know, radio and television is very, very site-specific right now. We use studios, we use hardwired equipment. So we really had to figure out what we needed to do to move all of that outside the building. 
And so we took inventory of what it was going to take. And then as a backup, what we did, we figured that even if we couldn't do that very quickly, all our digital operations could move quickly. So we did a dry run. We did a test day where we asked all the digital folks to do all of their work outside the building. So that was on March 11th. So we were you know, trying to get ahead of everything. And so we did that. And we discovered that we could do it, but that we needed more laptops. We needed more bandwidths to get in and out of you know, the building. We needed to move some of our stuff to the cloud quickly. And as we moved on, we started realizing that people needed to also have a different workflow. And we had to teach people a different workflow and get everybody on the same page so that they could get away from the, you know, going over and talking to somebody to how are we going to communicate. And so how did you quickly acquire more laptops, more bandwidth, that kind of thing? Or are you still in the process of doing that? Well, I just got a message today that some of the laptops have come in. And, you know, one of the great things about here is we have an unbelievably skilled and knowledgeable kind of infrastructure. So under normal circumstances, there's a lot of, you know, what I would call bureaucratic things that need to be taken care of that can slow the process down. And we took advantage of looking at deeply into what abilities do we have to short circuit those? Because we hadn't really looked closely at that. How can we move more quickly legally, keeping well in line with the guidelines, but making sure we do things quickly? And so we found lots of ways to order and pay for laptops. We found lots of ways. I mean, normally the process of putting people out on telework requires a couple of steps in filling out forms and changing job descriptions. We just decided, we figured out the best way we could do that, still consistent with government guidelines. And so we could put people out on telework quickly. Those are all the things that we had to look at. And in the bandwidth, we had to work closely with all our other divisions. We had to go into our technical folks, our IT folks, and our, our broadcast folks and say, here's the problem we have. Help us solve it. And they, they stepped up to the plate. And about how many people are in your workforce are currently teleworking? We think right now it's upwards of 80%. So the guideline we gave earlier was that only people whose work absolutely must be done in the Cohen building, which is our headquarters building, those are the only people that will be allowed, required to come into the building and only for that period of time to do their actual job. So there's still some things where our systems are just so hardwired that we can't get people to do them remotely. So those jobs were allowing people to come in. But a lot of the other things, the studios, we're very studio dependent. And yet we've discovered that we can do what we used to do in a studio out in other places. And our audiences actually like it. So I was just watching a a broadcast that's normally done in the studio from the mall you know, standing in front of the Capitol building. People seem to like that. And we're trying to get people to do their shows in interesting locations while still maintaining their own personal safety, of course. But we're using a lot of creativity, I think. So I wanted to ask you, I think you all have learned that you might have an employee case or suspect you have an employee case of coronavirus. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And if so, if that's prompted you to move on to, I guess, that fourth phase of your plan where you're having everyone move out of the building? We uh, put out a statement this morning that we do have our first confirmed case. And this shows another advantage of moving quickly because 
as soon as this employee went home ill, which was on March 11th, I believe, we took immediate steps. Everyone that this person had come in contact with was required to to leave the building and you know to go on to telework if they had a job that could be teleworked, to go on administrative leave if they didn't. And so everyone that we knew had contact was removed from the building and we monitored them at home. They're all fine as far as we know right now. And then we brought in an industrial cleaning team to clean and disinfect every area where this employee was known to have touched or interacted with. So we had already done the things that we needed to do even before the test came in positive. So we're doing that. We're trying to jump on things quickly so we don't have to do things in a haphazard fashion. We can do them in a logical fashion if we, if we get ahead of the question. I wanted to ask you about some of the messaging and communications that you've done with your employees, because I think this is probably stressful for everyone right now. It's scary. It's uncertain. No one really knows what's going to happen here. And so I wonder how you're approaching that with your employees. We decided almost from the beginning that rapid, transparent, and compassionate communication was going to be absolutely essential. We belong to a parent organization, the U.S. Agency for Global Media. Both organizations decided that we were going to do daily briefings. And so we are doing daily briefings, updating people with things, telling people what's going on, showing them as, you know, where you can find things, what the procedure for doing things is, really giving them as much information as we think that they need. And then I started doing a, a daily kind of more personal email just based on what I'd been hearing from people because you're right. I mean, there's some things that, you know, telling people about how you get laptops isn't going to help you with. People are scared and they want to know that, you know, other people are scared too, but we're going to get through this and here's what we're doing to reassure you. How do you think some of those communications will continue? Because we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know how long, you know, we're all supposed to be working from home and social distancing and all of that. So what are your communication plans moving forward? I think that we really should commit to maintaining this level of communication because as it goes forward, we don't know if anxiety level is going to go down. I think we need to assume that we're going to need to communicate, keep in touch with our employees continually through this. So I think my personal commitment at VOA, and I would say all VOA managers feel this way, is to maintain an aggressive level of communication daily or more than daily if we need to. For example, as soon as we discovered that the employee had tested positive, we, within an hour, had a pretty detailed message out to the staff. We had pledged to them that they would know information as soon as we knew it or as close as possible to that. And we really scrambled to try and keep that promise. I think I've heard that you have also hosted maybe some virtual town halls or town hall-like events for employees. Can you go into that a little bit as well? We figured really early on, we didn't want to bring people together in a group. Our normal town halls are done in a very crowded room with lots of people packed in together. So instead, we set up a virtual town hall, which we had never done before. And that required of course, again, the really rapid cooperation of everybody involved in logical side. And we brought in everybody that we thought would need to answer questions and, and talked to them about what we knew so far, showed them the people that were going to be answering questions, told them how to get their questions answered. And again, just began the process of saying to them, we're going to communicate with you aggressively at all times. 
And have you received any feedback from employees about how the messaging, the teleworking, all of this, how it's all gone for them? Obviously, for a lot of people, it's a a brand new thing. And being separated from their workforce and people, we have to remember that a lot of these people are home. And so these kinds of messages, I think, are are really good for people. And I've, I've been receiving feedback that it's really making a difference to people because they don't have to go on a gossip circuit to figure out, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you hear this? They, I think, are starting to feel comfortable that when something happens, we'll tell them, we'll tell them right away. I think that this really, you know, rapid communication has been a very effective thing. And I think it's something we owe our workforce. Amanda, is there anything else about how you all are approaching this that you think you should mention? Anything that we're leaving out here? We are really amazed to see the silver lining. And one of those is probably in the space of under a week, we have moved our operations from the previous tethered way of operating that really dates back to the 1950s into the new world of cloud communication and cloud storage and, and technological, a more technological sophistication. So we moved our both our, our systems and our employee skill sets in a matter of days. So we now have people can do things that they couldn't do a couple of days ago. That's one thing. The other thing is, you know, we have an organization that has 47 different newsrooms and they work in 47 different languages. So as you might imagine, the tendency is for people to silo into their own areas. The amount of cooperation and communication I've seen just spontaneously erupt around the building. You know, we have people, you know, from the Russian service going around and training people in Asian uh, languages how to do various things. So anybody who has a skill set that they know very well is spontaneously volunteering to go around to train people. That's amazing. And the other thing that I've seen is there has been a spontaneous eruption of leadership. So it's clear that there are amazing leaders throughout the entire organization that we hadn't been recognizing. And now we can see them because they're rising up and and on their own deciding what training can be done, deciding on how they might more creatively do their shows. So we've had a big technological change. We've had a big surge of leadership, huge surge in cooperation. I'm really, we're really sitting down and trying to capture all this because we'd like to maintain the gains we've made when we get back to normal, whenever that is. Voice of America Director Amanda Bennett speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Check out Nicole's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.